0: Good morning and welcome to the Sunday morning broadcast of the Marvin and I Methodist Church Sanctuary Service here in downtown Tyler. My name is Doug Baker and I'm the Senior Pastor of this faith community. My prayer for you will be that this morning's message will bless you and encourage you to become the person that Christ has called you to be through Him. Again welcome, here's today's message.
1: Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother, John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. It is so good to be in worship with you all. I've been praying about this day for months and excited to be here. Now, you may be surprised and thinking, who's here? Uh, my name is Brandy Stevens, and I'm one of the new pastors here on staff. And thank you, Pastor Jerry, for um, an introduction earlier. I'm excited to be here. Over the last couple of weeks, I've got to come in at different times, and I've got to even have conversations and um, hear some stories from some of you, and I look forward to getting to know you more and hearing everyone's story and having conversation about your church and your faith. But in the short visits that I've had, there are a couple of things that have come to mind for me, things that have already been wrote on my heart about Marvin. One of those things that have been shared with me with the stories and conversations is how important your church is to you how much you love the people here at Marvin and what an amazing church this is. I'm excited to come alongside you and to journey with each of you as we continue to be a home for the community, a place where people see Christ active and living, to be the body of Christ as his hands and his feet and his voice that place where people feel comfortable and excited to come. One of the most exciting things to me is that you all are already putting your faith into action in the Marvin way, through prayer and humility, through passion, unity, servanthood, thankfulness, accountability, risk-taking, all for the glory of Christ. I'm excited about the next chapter in our journey together i invite you to join me in prayer this morning father god we gather in your house to give praise and honor to you lord you know the things that we've carried with us throughout the week there may be joys and celebrations and concerns and we bring them all before you lord we turn them over to you We give thanks to you for the works that you are doing and have done in our lives and continue to do. As we open and reflect on your word today, help us to trust in your unfailing promises. Your word holds true. It is living and active. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. May your Holy Spirit move freely in this place. Touching each and every one of us right where we are. Open the eyes of our hearts, Lord, that we may see you. We pray this in your precious Son, Jesus' name. Amen. So in January of 2020, and if you can think back to that time, it was right before what seemed to have shut the world down. I got to take the uh, trip of a lifetime. I went to the Holy Land and I was went to the Holy Land with 10 seminary students and three professors. And we spent this time studying in depth, tracking stories, themes, characters in the Bible, hiking through the valleys to the mountaintops, to read texts and to read them and get it, gain a sense of the biblical world. It was the most spiritual pilgrimage and refreshing pilgrimage that I have ever experienced. Never in our time there was it boring, never was it dull. We started our days well before the sun rose and we were out well into the evening Hours we were we were learning and dialoguing about the minutest details of our faith. Now, when we got back, we were tired. You know, I had not walked so much in my entire life. We had hiked up the mountains and gone through the valleys, and we were often very tired. And so, we'd get back to the hotel or the home in which we were staying. Many would go off to bed, grab something quick to eat, and head off to bed, and others would gather in the common area. We wanted to talk about and process what we had experienced and seen that day. But we were also sure to make sure we got a card game in. So in the Holy Land, we had quite the rowdy games of skip bow that we played each night. It was one of those times that I realized and was reminded what first attracted me to Jesus, what it was that drew me to the ministry. See, I didn't grow up in the United Methodist Church. I spent the majority of my youth participating in worship and youth activities with friends, which meant I went to all kinds of churches as well as denominations. So from Catholic, Baptist, Methodist, non-denominational, Lutheran, Presbyterian, I'd seen it all and been a part of it all. In being completely honest, many of these brought experiences of great joy, ones that brought me closer into relationship with Jesus. And there were also those moments that were somewhat overwhelming. Nevertheless, I always had a deep and passionate love of Christ. Even when I struggled to find my place in the church, John Wesley talks a lot about grace. In fact, Wesley divides grace up into three different areas, very distinct parts. Prevenient grace, justifying grace, sanctifying grace. Now, prevenient grace, he likens to the front porch on the outside of the house. We're all comfortable with that, right? Go over to visit your neighbors, hang out on the front porch for a little while, maybe have a glass of tea, some water to drink or coffee, and that's where you begin hanging out. Prevenient grace is God's grace at work before we even knew. Before I even knew him, he was at work in my life. However, just as there is more to a home than a front porch, there too is more in the journey. We must enter into the house walking in to the house justifying grace, the most important experience in my entire life. I was born again. Receiving Christ as my Lord and Savior has enabled me to be on this incredible journey that I find myself on in this time. I remember standing in worship at my little church in Nederland at Fairwood United, Fair, First United Methodist Church in Niederland. And I watched as they swayed and as they sang, and they began to sing, we are one in the spirit, we are one in the Lord, and one day our unity will be restored. And they will know we are Christians by our love. And if I'm being completely honest with you, as they sang this song and swayed back and forth, I remember thinking, this is a little too hippy for me. But then I quickly caught myself mesmerized and caught by the lyrics and the voices as they sang together. And then, Ken Archer, the pastor of the church, began to preach on this morning's very gospel lesson, Matthew, the fourth chapter, beginning in verse 18. And the pastor went on to start what I referred to as meddling in our lives, and that he said we needed to give Jesus a full access pass to our lives not the occasional Sunday and maybe Wednesday midweek, but giving Jesus a full access pass to our lives. And I remember in that moment, things began to flash before my my eyes, and I began to think, well, I'm okay with Jesus in this part of my life, but I'd rather him not be hanging out in this part of my life. And I began to think about those things, but Reverend Archer didn't give up. He kept pushing, he kept challenging us. And he said, you have to give Jesus a full access pass to your life. And it was kind of like as John Wesley explained that he felt his heart strangely warm. I too knew in the moment that I trusted Christ in Christ alone, an assurance was given to me that He had taken away my sins, my sins, and saved me from the law of sin and death. It was grace that saved me and it was love that drew me to Jesus and the ministry. And in our text this morning, In verse 18, we hear, As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Verse 18. According to the Gospels, Jesus' earthly ministry was kind of centered around the Sea of Galilee. While important events occurred in Jerusalem, the Lord spent many of his three years in ministry along that sea. He gave more than half of his parables in this location, and he performed numerous miracles. Now, if you go to the Holy Land and find yourself in Galilee, they have a boat that they'll show you. They discovered it sticking out of the mud in 1986 when the sea level of Galilee had dropped due to dry weather. Archaeologists cleared it from the sea bottom, they cleaned it, and they preserved it. And now it's on exhibit for millions of visitors to come and see. It's been carbon dated to exactly the period of Jesus' life. The boat is a vivid reminder of the day-to-day life existence of Jesus' followers. Jesus was just walking beside the Sea of Galilee, and he sees the two brothers, and then he says to them in verse 19, come, follow me. When the call came, these brothers were doing what they normally do. They were going about their normal business as usual. They're casting nets, they're pulling them back in, they're sorting the fish and they're taking them to market. However it was that they became fishermen, they hadn't chosen an easy profession. Years ago, I had chosen a profession One that wasn't always easy, but it was secure. Or at least it felt secure for me at the time. I worked for a large corporation in an accounting department. And sometimes the days were long and challenging. It was familiar and it was comfortable. Just like these fishermen who probably chose to be fishermen because it was comfortable, it was familiar. It was something the family had done. When Jesus called the disciples, they knew what they were leaving. They knew the pros and the cons of what they were leaving, but they didn't know what Jesus was calling them to. Notice the words that Jesus spoke to Peter and Andrew. He said, follow me. Jesus is about relationship. Jesus calls us to go along on the journey with him. When you look at the context of Matthew's gospel, in chapters 1 through 4, you discover and see who it is that invites us to go on this journey. In Matthew 1, we see Jesus is the Savior. He's the Messiah. And verse 23 of chapter 1, declares He is Emmanuel, God with us. Matthew 2 says Jesus is the sovereign king that the wise men came to worship. He's the one the Old Testament prophets had said would come. In Matthew 3, we see that he's the savior, the righteous judge. He's the one that John the Baptist spoke of. And when John baptized him, the father declared from heaven, This is my beloved son whom I am well pleased. He's filled with the spirit and loved by the father. In Matthew chapter four, he is the light of the world. Jesus came, teaching, proclaiming, healing. The invitation follow me came from no ordinary man and it is no ordinary invitation. Jesus is worthy of far more than our occasional association, our occasional church attendance. He's worthy of our total abandonment and absolute adoration. The abruptness of the call or the demand that Jesus makes of Simon Peter and James and his brother John, it's difficult. It's a challenging one for us to grasp. The way Matthew presents the scene, not one of them hesitated for a second. As Miss Sarah had the kids playing red light, green light, as soon as she said green, they took off running. They were ready to go, there was no hesitation. And Matthew's gospel presents it that way. In verse 20, we hear, at once they left their nets. And then in verse 22, we hear, and immediately they left the boat. There was no hesitation, it was immediately that they left. Now John's gospel is a little different than Matthew's because in John's gospels, the first disciples take time to respond to Jesus. And now maybe you're like me and find that a little bit more comforting. John the Baptist announces boldly to them who Jesus is. The would-be disciples go and take take the time to check out where Jesus is living. They have a chance to rethink and think over in verses 29 through 42. And yet, Matthew presents the call and it happens immediately. We're not even sure if these brothers knew who Jesus was. The emphasis in Matthew's gospel is on how much we don't know when we respond. Matthew seems to make sure that we understand that when we respond, we respond in faith. And that's the challenge for us. That's where the rub comes in because we like to lay it out. We wanna see how it's gonna work out in the end, how it fits into our lives. And yet Jesus says, follow me, follow me. Some of us like John's gospel a little better because we receive the assurance of who Jesus is and we can take a little time to decide. And we need John's emphasis on getting things straight and taking some time. But Matthew's right, no matter how much we study, how carefully we make our decisions to follow Jesus, we won't know what lies ahead. When we respond, Jesus says, follow me. This abrupt call into discipleship represents the radical demand of the kingdom of God to let go of our human source of security and all human aspirations and embrace the obedience to God's kingdom. Since repentance is change of direction, the first four disciples powerfully demonstrate the repentance. They turned immediately from what they were doing. They gave up fishing, gathering fish in the lake, and they turned to follow Jesus and become fisher of people. They put the business of the kingdom before. In verse 19, Jesus goes on to say, I will send you out to fish for people." Now, do you think the disciples even knew what he would mean? What he was thinking and what was going to happen? Did they have any inkling that they would watch as Jesus healed the multitudes? Did they have any clue that they would take part in the feeding of the 5,000 on the hillside? Watch Jesus as he spoke to Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus said, I will send you out to fish for people. We don't make him. He makes us. He said, I will send you. He loved us, he bought us, he sought us, he chose us. Now church, just allow yourself the opportunity for your mind to wrap around the idea. The God who chose Adam, chose Noah, chose Abraham, chose Moses and David and the disciples, has chosen each and every one of you. He has called you by name, he has chosen you. We come to Jesus as we are, but he doesn't leave us just as we are. See, he didn't call the disciples because of what they had to offer or what they could bring to the table. Instead of looking for fish all over the lake, they would spread the gospel to the world. Jesus said, follow me. He would teach, he would give the gifts and the talents. Every follower of Jesus is a fisher of people. The call and the commission was not just given to the disciple or the apostles. It's given to all who follow Jesus. Just like God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and to multiply. We were born to reproduce. We are born again to reproduce. We were found to find others. We were saved to save others. Jesus said, I am will make you. It's not information that we need church, but it's transformation that we need. Jesus continues to call disciples, follow me and I'll make you fishers of people. When we let go of our nets, we carry the ministry of Jesus. The ministry of teaching and proclaiming and healing, we teach when we teach Sunday school, Bible studies, children, and youth ministries. We teach in quiet conversations. We proclaim when we announce our faith to the world, when we proclaim and declare that our values are not the same as the world's values, that we are not ruled by money, success, or prestige. We resist violence, greed, and exploitation. We heal when we take care of one another in times of sickness, grief, or trouble. We heal when we pray for one another. We don't always know what will happen when we respond to God's call. We know that God is with us and that he will work through our ministries, even in our shortcomings. Church following Jesus means that we abandon our own sin and shame. It means that we abandon our will for His will, our way for His way. Following Jesus means we must deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow Him. We live for Jesus. We live for one thing, to follow Jesus. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen.
0: I'd like to leave you with these words of encouragement. God loves you and wants to be in a relationship with you. Together, we can change the world. Please contact me at marvinumc.com or join us in person for worship. May God bless you.